0: Hi, and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host, Renee Bennett, and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. Hey, everyone. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to another leadership podcast. I think it's number 63, if I remember correctly. Um, this is our second episode of our Youth Ministry collection. And Cameron's come back to join me for week two.
1: Hey, babe. Bella. Hey, everyone. So good to be back.
0: I just want to laugh just because you're sitting right next to me again. Okay, so everyone loved last week, by the way.
1: No, oh, that's good.
0: Yeah. So we talked about the three core values, or you call them the three F's. Yes, I did. <laughs> of running a youth ministry. and today I wanted to talk about uh, something that I know I probably would consider this the core value of building a phenomenal youth ministry and I know you would put it right up there as well. and that is building your leadership team. Would you would you agree with me on that babe?
1: Absolutely. I think the size of your leadership team determines the health and the size of your youth ministry.
0: Oh, okay. I was going to say the health of your leadership determines the health of your youth ministry, but you reckon the size of your leadership team determines the size of your youth ministry? Not that the size of the youth ministry is the I think, be all and end all.
1: Well, I think it determines. Um, if like it's in, growing. In, well, in church, like across Western church, it's pretty much um, you got for every seven people in attendance, mm-hmm. you have one volunteer. So if you put that across your leadership team, if you've got a team of 20, then by the stats, by the breakdown of volunteers and how many Mm -hmm. you should actually have there, you should have um, seven Um, times 20 is 140. I
0: thought you were hesitating because you didn't know what seven twos were. (laughs) Yeah, and that's true. And that's a good way to know if all of your leaders are kind of pulling their weight because within that, all, the, the leaders all, have different capacities.
1: Yeah, all growing into their full capacity. Yeah, that's probably so, a better way of saying so, it. Some of our um, our best um, squad leaders in the past mm. um, have had some... I know, remember Natalie, she looked after mm. about 10 young people. Yeah. And she did that better than anyone. And she loved those 10 young people. They're all going yeah. solid and, and doing their devotions, getting strong in God. And then you had other leaders running life groups or squads of 30 plus. Yeah, true. And they were frantic and taking kids here here and everywhere. But they were
0: looking after theirs too. Yes. So, So there's two things that I want to focus on today. One is firstly on us, the leader, the leader leading the leaders. Yes. The leader leading the team. And then I want to really hone in on how to run a discipleship with, um, with the team of leaders. And we'll, I'll focus on why in just a moment, but let's just, let's just focus for a moment on us, which is the number one key is you as the leader, the kind of leader that we need to be to lead a team, because some people are good at leading a youth ministry. They can lead the kids, but leading leaders is kind of where it's at. So being a leader of leaders is crucial. Would you say?
1: Yes. So- All leaders should be leading or should have the mindset of everyone's making disciples. So if you're you're leading leaders, those leaders should be making leaders and then those leaders should be making leaders. So everyone's constantly being poured into, strengthened, Mm -hmm. encouraged, um, challenged, Mm -hmm. and then they're pouring that into the people that they should be leading.
0: Yeah, that's All right.
1: All responsible
0: for. Yes, and that's how kind of the influence uh, gets broken down. So, you as the leader that's leading a team. I want to put out this thought that one of the most important things we need to be is a transformational leader, as opposed to a transactional leader. So let me let me explain. So people people will follow. A transformational leader as opposed to a transactional leader. So what is a transformational leader? This is someone where the follower is transformed on the journey, where the leader, the transformational leader is concerned with the development of the people in their team. Uh, They are themselves relatable, authentic, and they inspire people to follow them. They understand that their leadership is measured by influence and not title. So rather than a leader who is um, transactional, where it's more about just ticking a box, getting a job done. Because I know you you and and I have had... Yeah, and titles. You and I have had a lot of youth leaders, youth pastors over the years come to us and just get really frustrated that they can't keep leaders or they can't grow their leadership team. And this is probably one thing I would say you and I would would notice in those environments, that perhaps they're more transactional leaders. Everyone's just doing a task, ticking a box, as opposed to being transformed on the journey themselves.
1: So you can have a short-sighted mindset as to mm. discipling a team to get a job done to perform a youth ministry program yeah. and run some spiritual activities. Yes. But our view around leadership was always we want to grow a family, we want to grow a team,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we want to put life skills into them. Mm-hmm. The, the The backdrop of doing that is around a task, which is doing youth ministry. Yeah. But that gives us an opportunity to actually disciple them for their, for their holistic view of their whole life and their leadership. Yes. So therefore, so say for instance, if someone's got a low work ethic, we'd talk to them about their work ethic because that's mm. something we don't, if, that, mm. if they're poor in their work ethic in the youth ministry environment, well, they're going to take that into all aspects of their life.
0: So if I think of an example in my own life, when yeah. I was a leader, and I was a very young leader, Russell and Sam, got me to be a leader back when I was, I was in year 12 and I was in the young adult youth ministry and and Russell started the youth ministry and was like, Renee, you're year 12, you're coming with us. And I was like, I didn't want to, but I, I, I started with them and I never left because being in their leadership team changed my life. It transformed who I was. I wasn't just fulfilling a task for Russell and Sam in paradise community church. I was, I was, um, helping them to outwork the vision God had given them. But at the same time, there was a call of God being outworked in me and it changed me. It literally shaped and changed who I am today.
1: Well, that would be the same for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So in that's that, right. that I learned to hear the voice of God
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that has overflowed, not just from running a, my first role was running a life group mm. and I heard from God for those people. And then, um, Tuning in and listening to the voice of God for my whole life. Yes. So, say for instance, also, um, we we were taught to emotionally connect with people. Yes. And 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 have a heart connection with people. Yeah. So yeah, that has put me in good stead in all aspects of life.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: So in in my marriage, in my parenting, in my relationships, in all of my yeah. so-called transactions with people. Um, And
0: I think that's why we served for so long, because we were under leadership that was transformational. Russell and Sam's leadership was transformational. Your and my leadership, I think we... Um, we mimicked and we were the same so we had a leadership team that grew really quickly and no one left like I remember nobody left even in the transition from the other leader to us and I remember Russell saying that's a testament to your guys leadership that nobody's actually left they want to stay people understood when they were in yours and my team that they weren't just fulfilling a, a box or a task but that they were being transformed on the process so I want to break that down
1: well we didn't just believe in people for because of what they could do for us. We yes. believed in people because there was something of God upon each and every individual. And our role and responsibility we felt was to actually help them unlock that, unpack it and and get started on the journey to discover that.
0: Yeah, yes. So a transformational leader brings vision. Whenever I think of anyone who where I've my life or someone else's life has been transformed underneath their leadership on a team, they're, they're a visionary. They've bought vision. You're very gifted at bringing vision. So you did that right back when we first took over the youth ministry when we were in our late 20s at the time.
1: Yeah. So we, we well, we prayed, we mm. heard from God and got a clear picture of, of the, the season that he wanted us to build the youth ministry while we were there in Adelaide. And then we um, we had to rally people around that. And then put all the structure and the, yeah. the things in play. But then we had to train, develop, and equip people within the same context of making sure that we were building people for for the for the long term, for the yeah. long haul, yeah, for their life.
0: But also, people are really excited when they are a part of something that they feel is moving somewhere. Yeah. So even you know even when we first started public four years ago, and there were eleven people in our lounge but we could see where this thing was going because you cast vision it, it, you know you you helped us to see that god's going to do something incredible here well, and it makes you excited to be a yeah, part 100%. of that
1: well it, well it excites me as a as a visionary leader to hear from god about the clarity to then mobilize people to set out on the journey to help yeah. help make that happen
0: what if you're a leader though that's leading a team and your gifting is not to be a visionary like i'm not a visionary and I'm leading the Youth Alive Academy team, but I've got you kind of still over me in Youth Alive casting vision. So I, I don't know. I'm throwing that to you. Yeah, I didn't prepare so, you for that no, that's one.
1: that's all right. So my, my, my view with that would be <laughs> is is you can still set goals. Yeah. And you can still um, sit down with the team and go, hey, mm-hmm. this is what we're going for. What do we think we'd, we can accomplish and achieve together? What can we believe God for, for this year? Yeah. Or for three years, or for five years, and have a strategy around that. And so that's you good. you might draw that from the collaboration of a team, and God might speak to you as a group.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, I think that's good. so so it's not like um, and you can be inspired by other things too. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean you mimic or copy, but you can mm-hmm. differently see things and that you feel like you resonate with, like another church or another youth ministry or another organisation that can inspire you to yeah. to be propelled towards certain things.
0: Yeah. So another thing that you and I were very uh, – that we have been taught but that we were very kind of big on too was creating a good culture in our team. So we were visionary – you were visionary. And then I'd say secondly, culture, creating a healthy and an empowering culture, which we didn't think could be taught through a six-week program, right? Your culture comes from your values and it's more about what you often don't say than what you do say.
1: Well, culture is this is what we do here. Yeah. And so, so yes. we're very specific – um, about being on purpose about, about why we did things yeah and so behaviors that or, or cultural values that undermine what we felt we were actually mm. moving towards well we were just so hey we don't do that here and this is yeah. why
0: even the little things though where we set culture but they became the big things like everyone stands up in praise and worship Everyone comes to the front. You know, all those little things. But you didn't hone in on the negative. You always honed in on the positive. This is what we do here. The
1: the whole Simon Sinek thing. This is why we do what we do. Yeah.
0: Yes. Okay. Thirdly, I would say an important element of the leader of leaders is to understand that everyone that you're leading has got their own call. Yes. It's about calling. And I would say that one of the reasons that Russell was such a transformational leader is because he could prophetically see. I wasn't just fulfilling a task like, oh, I need that done, Renee. Can you go do that? He just had this prophetic insight into what was on my life. It doesn't mean that there weren't times where I didn't do things, you know, a task that, you know, like, hello, pick up the vacuum or stack the chairs. I'm not saying that. But, but when it came to the bigger leadership things, it was like I know what you're called to do. And so we just had this a really prophetic way of putting the right people in the right places.
1: Yes. And, well, I think um... – at the end of the day, it, God's building the house, Yeah. and unless He does it, we're labouring in vain. So we're constantly going, "Okay, God, who have you put around us? Mm. Who, what gifts, talents, and abilities have you put within them? And how do we unlock and release them and support them within that?" Yeah. So it's not like, yes. oh, wait, quick, we need, we need a, um, we need a production guy. Um, we're just gonna grab any old guy and just shove him in production. It's like, okay, God, well, who here has mm. a propensity or a bent towards that? Who we can train and develop, and help um, unleash or.
0: Remember one of the guys that he was a youth, young young person in our youth group, and he started off in the production in the youth group, and now he runs it as a business. Like he runs production as a business. I think
1: he's a Hillsong now.
0: Oh really? Maybe
1: like Tristan Hebert.
0: Oh, we don't say his name. Why? He's a champion. <laughs> Okay, shout out Tristan if you're listening. Yeah, But he started, remember that, because he was really good and loved learning being yeah, in student. the production box as a student, yeah, as a young person. Sound,
1: lighting, video. Yeah,
0: and found his call cool there.
1: Absolutely. He's running his own company and doing awesome. Love
0: it. Okay, uh, and then the fourth thing, and this leads us into how we ran discipleship. So, so being transformational, it's about vision, culture, calling, and I would say community. So we... We really kind of approached leading our team like we were an army, shoulder to shoulder, building the wall, called to do something incredible for the kingdom of God together. And so we lived life together. We did life together. Yes. There's so many stories I can think of, like where we lived life and
1: well, from travel, travel holidays, late night poker games without without money.
0: (laughs) Just can't say that here.
1: It's all pretend money.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> rewind that. Um, yeah, we did. We did life together. Like I don't know how many weddings we did. We watched um, our team. You know, one by one, they got married and they had babies and they built houses. And sometimes it was sad because we were sat with them while they buried loved ones. Or but we literally just did all of life together, and it was just more than. More than just a leadership team that happened to be haphazardly put together. There was a sense together. of loyalty
1: that we had to, towards one another and we also had towards what God was doing. Yeah. So we put some of our differences aside, our personal, our own agendas mm. for the for the betterment of what God was actually wanting to do. Yeah. And so- it, Well,
0: it was like, I would say that God divinely put us together. I remember, I remember Russell saying that with the first, uh, when I was 16 or 17 and used to go to discipleships at their house. And I remember he would constantly, I mean, we were just a bunch of young people. I mean, Henry Sealy was there, a little so, young, 17, straggly hair. He was younger than me, 16.
1: So, so just to paint that, because when you, when you hear Russell Evans, Planet Shakers, Paradise, Big Church of Thousands how many people would have mm-hmm. actually been in that discipleship room because I, I was in
0: my you weren't there you yeah, were I was off in my smoking dories, was it i didn't oh, know. Gee. <laughs> um how many people were in the room oh um
1: 20
0: 15 20 20 25 20 25 people at
1: yeah, so, the most so people sometimes think that you know there's there's hundreds of of these leaders sitting in a room like a conference mm-hmm. waiting to roll that no. was in that was in a lounge room. Encountering God. That's what
0: I want to talk about because when I look around, when I remember looking around that room, there were people there that now are doing things for God all over the world, all over Australia, you know. And it started in in a lounge room, and I, I want to talk about that because I would say one of the hallmarks of, um, if I could say, if I could only pick one thing that helped us to build. Um, you know, a really healthy, strong, good youth ministry. I would say it was the discipleships we had in our homes. And so that's what I wanted to actually go into talking about. So we've talked about you, the leader that's leading the team. But one of the most powerful things that we did that created, um, that outworked all of those four things we've just talked about were the discipleships that we had. So I want to talk about that. And there was probably some underpinning values. Like you just said, we had it in our home. These discipleships were fortnightly. Well,
1: we we built. We spent an extra fifteen thousand dollars on our little house. Yeah. To build a bigger family room out the back, so we could actually host the meetings.
0: Yeah. So Cameron and I were like we'd said before. We we'd been married for a couple of years, and Georgia was uh, little, like I don't know, eighteen months, and we were building a house, and we actually built. Even though this block was tiny, like what, three hundred square meters, four hundred.
1: No, three hundred and fifteen.
0: It was so tiny, and we built this tiny little cottage. But we built this extra large lounge out the back. And not only did we do that, we carpeted it. And then I think this was your idea. We put golden underlay.
1: Gold standard.
0: Gold standard underlay. Plush. The extra thick plush. <laughs> extra thick plush uh, underlay. Underlay under the carpet. Because we knew that we would have leaders in our house and that'll be sitting on the floor and we wanted it to be comfortable for their tushes. (laughs) You
1: could only have so many beanbags and chairs.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So we literally built our house around this value that we had, which was that discipleships were paramount to everything that we did. And I think that's because even though you weren't there, I was in the room with Sam and Russell when I was 16, 17,
1: 18, 19. And are you yawning? No.
0: Turning away and yawning.
1: Just had a breather.
0: You're lucky this isn't being videoed. But that discipleship was, it it changed my life. Yes. And so I think we knew that that's, you know, there were some values underpinning. Let's talk about the values of why why these discipleships are important. So to us, a discipleship is not a six-week program and it's not another life group, living room. I often hear a lot of people say, a lot of leaders say, oh, they're, leaders have their own living room. We did not call it or a life group or a connect group. Connect group we did we not call. call it a connect group because it was not a connect group. It was a discipleship group.
1: So can I just put a little bit more context on this? Yeah. Discipleship's doing life together, not just a meeting. Yes. And so... In the backdrop of this, you and I were actually catching up with people one on one, yeah, having conversations. I'm going to talk about that.
0: You're jumping the gun. Oh,
1: sorry. I'm just putting it into context for you yeah. because we put a lot of we're putting a lot of yes. weight on the meeting, yeah. but discipleships doing life together, yes, and living life together, and and actually dealing with heart stuff yeah. and fears and concerns of being vulnerable with one another.
0: Yes, but a part of that was that we did have a structure to it in the yes. sense of we didn't follow a book or a program. It was a a fortnightly get together at our house and it was important it was in our home.
1: Yeah, and it was our commitment to nurture, care, develop our our leaders.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I was just about to say everything that you've just said, that for us, disciples are handmade, one relationship at a time. It happens while living life together over a long period of time. And uh, disciples are grown with honest, hard, at times hard, but deep, life-changing conversations.
1: Where where trust is established and built. That's not forced. That's earned. Yeah. So we didn't just go up and nail leaders and say, tell us this, that, and the other. It's like when the time where there was a trust and and a... what enough um, equity was put yeah. into the relational bank account, so to speak, then you had a position to actually yeah. have a conversation from.
0: Yeah. So I would say, because I didn't have an awful lot of time in the sense of the, the kids were young and then I was pregnant with, with Liam as well. I didn't spend a lot of time with the young people in the youth group. My job was to disciple and love and be there for the leaders. So I led the leaders, and then they mimicked that with the young people. Of course, I would get involved if there was a major pastoral care issue, but that's mostly what we did is we spent time with our leaders, plus we had a couple of staff as well. So let's just – can we just focus for a minute on the actual um, discipleship that we had at our house? Yep. So – they were regular and predictable.
1: Predictable in what sense?
0: They were every fortnight, the same night oh, every fortnight. It wasn't. Everyone
1: would just lock out every second Wednesday. Yeah. Throughout the basically the school terms. Yes. And they were our time where we would press into go, to God yeah. together.
0: Yeah. And they were compulsory. So and I know I know that's maybe a dirty word now with volunteers, but um, compulsory in the sense of um we, we wanted everyone to be there. It wasn't like a you no, can we, choose each week. We, we
1: were placing so much value, value on that that if you wanted to be a leader in our youth ministry, then you were at that. Yes. There was a commitment towards it.
0: Yeah. And it was also clear on who came and who didn't. Like I remember in one youth ministry where... People would rock up to the discipleship if they felt like it, or a leader would like invite. for Yeah, like a leader would just invite someone, oh, why don't you come to our discipleship this week? That wasn't, we didn't run like that. That was like, no, you only came if you were a leader and you were invited to come. And it was a very specific group of people because we were all putting a lot of time in. Our leaders were putting a lot of time in and we wanted to minister specifically to them. And we were a family.
1: Yeah.
0: So if that makes sense. 100%. Um, so the discipleship modeled the way that we wanted our leaders to call f- care for their small groups. So the way we ran a discipleship, they would often mimic and run their small groups in the similar kind of way.
1: Yeah. So do you want me to set the tone for what that would look like? Yeah. So obviously every single fortnight that mm-hmm. time was allocated towards us coming together. We'd make sure that there's, you know, some nice music on in the background. The house smells nice. It's clean. It's tidy. Um, <laughs> it's welcoming, um, it's welcoming. TV, never on,
0: Mm. um, because it was all
1: around relationships, it was all around conversations, it was all around connection. And then from there, we would obviously open in prayer. Um, Then we would go and talk about the immediate needs of the youth ministry around Mm. some of the housekeeping with up and coming program, um, how we're going with our um, follow-up systems, you know, it that would not be the massive chunk of the night though.
0: No, we might talk a little bit about what's happening this coming week, um, maybe an event that we had coming up. Something
1: was important we, for the for, for Sunday church.
0: Yeah, if we had like a manual or something to go through, you know the you know, the boring stuff, but you have to do it around safety and things like Leadership that. Leadership
1: responsibilities. Leadership
0: responsibilities. We also would do a bit of pastoral care in the housekeeping. There is nothing like whipping out a print out of someone's uh, connect group and then just randomly asking, hey, how's so-and-so going? And the leader's like, oh, my gosh, I've got to know all my people because Cameron and Renee are going to ask me about any one of them at any time. But and it was...
1: Yeah, it was good, making yeah. sure everyone was caring and looking after their people. So then we would go from that mm-hmm. to, like, that might go for 15 minutes max. Yeah. And then we would go into worship Always. Um, then we would have, um, someone will be there live probably with an acoustic or a yeah. keyboard and obviously one or two vocals. And then we just get into a couple of songs. And then if we just wait for the Holy Spirit, like is there something specific? Maybe there might be needs yeah. that we need to pray for, different things that people are going through that we might felt led um, to, to, to pray for and really see breakthrough. Then we would go from that moment to um, a teaching. Now, I'd make sure, or you, or whoever... Wants- you
0: say teaching, but it was more, yes, it was teaching, but it was a, more of a heartfelt, God, what do you want to say to this group of people at this time? Because yeah. these leaders are young people themselves with their own needs, going through their own things.
1: Yes, yeah, so I wasn't just whipping out the latest it, no, devotional out of ne- a Chuck Swindle book. I, Never. I,
0: I don't think we ever did the latest Leadership 101 tra- strategies. I, I don't think we ever did that
1: that they were always very prophetic yeah. now words for that specific group who were carrying yeah. the absolute burden of responsibility to see a generation of young people reach for Jesus Christ and so yeah. what, okay holy spirit what what are you wanting to say today yeah. to to this incredible group of people and so then we would share that and then mm. of but then, then that's when the powerful moments happened mm. There were moments where we yeah. open up and let the team respond to that, maybe share mm. a thought or something that they were personally experiencing. Then yeah. the, you, you couldn't quantify what God would do in those moments afterwards. It could lead, be led to go into another worship song. And there was something of God on that song where He God was really speaking to us as a group. It could break out to next thing you know, we're going for a half an hour prayer session
0: yeah. where we're
1: just laying a hold of God for the young people of our city. Yeah, And, and no one night, Looked the same. That's what I asked it you before about being predictable. The, yeah, those no, no, meetings no. weren't predictable, but the time frame of how often we met were predictable.
0: Yes, there, there's nothing formulaic about running a discipleship for your leaders.
1: No, and and so I think from there, um, there'd be those moments, and then then we would always. They would never go for longer than um, two hours max. Mm. Like
0: yeah, I, from beginning. They were to going end. from
1: seven till nine. And then people would hang around and linger for a bit afterwards and have conversations. And then by 10 o'clock.
0: Except for the ones that stay till midnight.
1: <laughs> we always said we everyone has got to be out of here by 10, but no one ever did. <laughs> no.
0: There'd be and a couple
1: that would look across the, uh, across the room with puppy dog eyes, like they need a little bit of TLC after yeah. everyone else goes home.
0: Yeah. That's I, I, un- that's I reckon there was always some that so but we didn't mind. Mind you, I remember thinking guys, I've got a flipping baby. I have to get up at like six o'clock, but but I didn't mind.
1: But can I say this? Our team always put the house back to scratch. They did. Put the dishes. Yeah, they did. The rubbish out and everything was away. So it was like they really honoured the home and our time and and us in that regard, that everything was set up and put back in place so that... we could get off and fire in the next morning. We wouldn't have to go to bed because we we're cleaning up. At, you know, an hour so later because we were exhausted. We just poured out, and then we had to yeah. pack everything up.
0: They were very respectful, but we taught them that.
1: Well, we we also taught them that because we wanted to make sure that they were doing that when the houses that they were with yes. the young people in.
0: Yes, we'd always we- say
1: to them, "You you should be leaving the house better than yeah. when you came." Vacuums. That's
0: literally what I just spoke about in the parenting podcast what? on Monday. If you go to someone else's house, teach your children to leave the house better even than when they found it.
1: Yeah. And once so, again, that's another life skill that yeah. will set people up for their life where they're gonna be they're not gonna be a youth leader for the rest of their life. No. Not every single one of them went on to be a youth pastor. A lot did go into ministry, but a we lot still of still are. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot a lot a lot of young professionals and doing well with yep. family and life now.
0: And you know what's so beautiful about, um, and probably my favorite memory, I mean, other than watching young people in the presence of God, my favorite memory of running youth ministry back in Adelaide back then was those discipleships, because nearly all of those people that were in our house that were in those meetings, those discipleships, I don't even like calling them meetings, they became our friends too. And they're still connected somehow with us to this day. Um, You know, we still talk to a lot of them and... That's, that's incredible.
1: God builds generationally and relationally and revelationary.
0: Revelationary? Yeah. (laughs) Revelationary. Very good. Okay. That's, I think you preached on that last week. That's sitting top of your head. It's fresh in my heart. (laughs) All right.
1: Yeah. So the other, the one last thing before we go, the other great thing about meeting on a fortnightly basis, you're keeping the vision before the people Mm. you're explaining Constantly, the why behind the what. You don't say it the same boring way every week. You just keep attacking it and hitting it from all these different angles. Yeah. And and then and then going after it and celebrating the wins. Yes. That's probably one thing I didn't do enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always moving on to the next thing, but it's celebrating the wins when when something great happens, and that great thing could be the biggest youth camp you've ever had. To um, a breakthrough mm. with um, a student leading a young person to Christ, yeah, or someone they've been praying for comes down the front on Friday night yeah. and gives their life to Jesus. It can be the big thing. It can be the small thing. And this is the thing. Yeah. What stories you tell mm. that also reinforces culture? Yeah. If you're always talking about the big highlights yeah. and not celebrating the small things that God does, yeah, um, yeah, it that that. Because not everyone can save a school for Jesus, not every yeah, student.
0: That's right. So I think you know we loved our team, we loved our young people. Our team loved one another, and we the team loved our young people too. So it
1: just it was a love fest.
0: It was a love fest. <laughs>
1: okay,
0: that's all we're going to finish on.
1: Love you guys. Love fest. Thanks for having me, babe.
0: That's right. We might see you back next time. Look at you. You're already about to stand up, ready to walk out the room. I have to
1: pray about it and see what God says. (laughs) Thanks,
0: guys. We'll see you on Monday. For those of you that listen to the Parenting Podcast, have a great week. Bye. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast.